The grades are in. Pro Football Focus takes a look at Tennessee. Who graded out well? Pass blocking, run blocking, and coverage. And also the updated AP coaches and locked on poll has been released. Where do the volunteers rank in all three of those national polls? That and a whole lot more. It's your Wednesday. Locked on balls. You are locked on balls. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee volunteers. Part of the locked on podcast network. Your team every day. What's up, fam? Welcome into it. Your Wednesday edition of Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here, making Locked On Balls your first listen each and every day. Shout out, as always, to you everydayers. We got a lot to get into today, so I'm going to shut up and get right to it. Pro football focus grades here in segment number one, but more importantly, coverage grades, blocking grades, that type of stuff. Updated polls, coaches poll, AP poll, Locked On poll. Two of the three has Tennessee in the top ten. The other one, I've got a gripe, and you're going to want to tune into segment two because it's about my colleagues here at Locked On. And in segment three, we'll get into our Wednesday chat with Ward Wednesday, Josh Ward of 99.1 The Sports Animal. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started by looking at the pro football focus grades. And again, a lot of you guys are not pro football focus fans, and that's fair. I, as always, am going to bring this grading skill back to the podcast because I think there's a lot of value to it. Now, Disclaimer, I'll say this every episode, pro football focus grades aren't everything. But in my opinion, they're not nothing. The guys who grade these players, and they do it for every single team in the country, but the guys who grade these players don't know the schemes, don't know the assignments, don't know the plays. So again, take it with a heavy grain of salt, if you will. What I like about pro football focus is it gives snap counts. It gives blocking grades every time a, a defensive back was was targeted in coverage. It gives a, a spray sheet of where Joe Milton's throws were. So we're going to look more into that stuff, offense and defense, here in segment number one uh, more than anything. But first, uh, I want to kind of briefly go over some snap counts. Tennessee ran 70, what was it, or 85 plays um, on offense. And um, Joe Milton, quarterback, uh, ran all but 11 of those. He ran 74, led the team in snaps on offense. 74 snaps for, uh, actually 86 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus. 74 snaps for Joe Milton, 10 snaps for Nico, 2 snaps for Gasson Moore. Running back rotation, very much a 33-33-33 split. It won't be like this all week or all season long, but 28 snaps from Jalen Wright, 27 snaps from Dylan Sampson, 23, 26 snaps for Jabari Small, three snaps for Cam Selden, and two snaps for Khalifa Keith. At wide receiver, a whole lot of Ramel Keaton, 73 snaps, 58 snaps Brew McCoy, 44 snaps Dante Thornton, 39 snaps Squirrel White, and if he didn't go out with an injury there in that, that, that first game, he's okay, by the way, um, he would have had even more snaps. 22 for Chaz Nimrod, 10 for Caleb Webb, and so on and so forth. 45 snaps, McCallum Castles, 36 for Jacob Warren, 5 for Ethan Davis. On the offensive line, 8 players played 20 snaps or more, and I'm going to focus on those. Uh, 74 snaps, Javante Spragans. He better not even sniff that high account this week. 60 snaps for Andre Kierics, 59 snaps for John Campbell, 57 for J.J. Crawford, 48 for Ollie Lane, 39 for Gerald Mincy, 27 for Dane Davis, and 22 for Jackson Lampley. Look at the defensive line. Roman Harrison, 32 snaps. Tyler Barron, 26 snaps. Amari Thomas, 25 snaps. David Hobbs, 24 snaps. Uh, Omar Norman Lott, 21 snaps. James Pierce, 24 snaps. And uh, Joshua Joseph, 12 snaps. Bryson Eason, 12 snaps. There needs to be more from that from Eason. Karad uh, Garland, 19 snaps. That's probably pretty good for him. David Hobbs, 24 snaps. That was 
That was pretty impressive. Looking at linebacker, Aaron Beasley, 43. Keenan Peely, 29 snaps. 24 snaps, Elijah Herring. 18 for Aaron Carter. 13 for Elijah Herring. Uh, and then you look at the DBs. Uh, and again, we, we don't want to see this every single week, guys. But 45 snaps leading the defense for Wesley Walker. 44 snaps, second place for Jalen McCullough, Tennessee's two safeties. 29 for Kamal Haddon. 29 for Danico Slaughter. 29 for Tamari McDonald. 27, Brandon Turner, 26, Warren Burrell, 26, Gabe Judy Lolly, 20, Andre Turrentine, and so on and so forth. You look at these actual grades on the offensive end, we'll start there. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on just overall grades, uh, but if you look at the grading scale for Pro Football Focus, uh, it's a little bit of a different grading scale. I'm throwing a lot of information at you guys right now. I understand that, uh, but those of you guys who have listened to the segment kind of will catch on quickly. Uh, the grading scale, 90 to 99, is considered elite. 80 to 89, very good. 70 to 79, that's an above-average starter. An average starter is 60 to 69. So when I read these grades out here, and there's some guys scored in the 60s on, on you know in grade school, in, in high school, college, all that type of stuff, you're like, man, that's an F, that's a bad grade. But a 60 to 69, nice, is an average starter. Okay, Below-average starter is 50 to 59. Anything below 50 is very much a backup player. Uh, so we'll go ahead and look at it uh, right here. The offensive grades overall is Jalen Wright, uh, 83%. Joe Milton, 78%. Gerald Mincy, 74%. Again, that 83 from Jalen Wright, that's considered uh, above average. That's considered very good, actually. Uh, Joe Milton, 78%. That's considered an above average starter on the high end of that. Gerald Mincy, who I thought played a good game, 74%. Javon Disbracket, 73%. J.J. Crawford, 73%. Dylan Sampson, 73%. Andre Carrick, 72%. Squirrel White, 69%. We're now getting into the average starters. Jabari Spall, 69%. Ollie Lane, 68%. John Campbell, 66%. Uh, so on and so forth. I'm, I'm not going to read them all down here, but uh, Tennessee had a really, really good day offensively. Played a whole lot of guys as well. Um, Ollie Lane, 68%. Dane Davis, 66%. I'm looking at some starters who had low grades. Ramel Keaton, 60%. Jacob Warren, 60%. Brew McCoy, 59%. Um, the, the wide receivers didn't grade out the highest, uh, you know, according to Pro Football Focus. Uh, but again, it, it is what it is. It's not the world. It's not uh, everything. Let's look at pass blocking. Best pass blocking grades on the offensive line. Uh, J.J. Crawford got 30 reps of pass blocking. He graded out in 80.3. That's really good. Dane Davis, 78%. McCallan Castle, 74%. Uh, let's see here. Gerald Mincy, 73%. John Campbell, 68%. The guys who struggled in pass protection, according to Pro Football Focus, Jamonte Spragans, 53. Andre Carrick, 46. And Jackson Lampley, 37. One other note on the overall grades here. Again, it is what it is, but um, overall grades, offensive grades, you had uh, not a very good day for Andre Carrick. See where is he? Actually, no, never mind. Andre Carrick was was okay. He was at seventy two percent. Never mind. I'll, I'll move on. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, let's go to run blocking. Who was the better run blockers? Um, Javante Sprague in seventy six percent. That's good. Andre Carrick seventy four percent. JJ Crawford sixty eight percent. Ollie Lane sixty five percent. John Campbell sixty three percent. It's good to see. It's what you want to see. Um, let's move over to defense, shall we? Or no, let's stay on offense. 
Uh, this segment's going to run a little long. I apologize. I need to break this up moving forward, but I just got a, a jam-packed show today. Um, here we go. Here's a spray chart for Tennessee passing the football. And keep in mind, all but two pass attempts were from Joe Milton. Uh, Tennessee was one for five between the numbers, 20 yards down the field, over one outside the hash. So in all, Tennessee was a one for six, 20 yards down the field. Again, Virginia was playing deep and they were playing six men light in the box, begging Tennessee to run for it. Uh, 10 to 20 yards. Right side hash, two of three passing, middle of the field, two of two. Uh, you know, line of scrimmage to 10 yards out. Uh, Tennessee very successful. Um, four of four on the left side, three of three, middle of the field. 7 of 10 on the right side of the field. So Joe Milton, very accurate under 20 yards. But again, it was the game plan for Virginia to uh, to really kind of stay back and not get beat uh, deep over the field. Um, overall overall grades here on the defensive side of the football, James Pierce uh, graded out at 91.4. That is an elite grade, highest grade on the team. Again, he played 26 snaps. That was great to see. Tyler Barron, the SEC defensive, player, defensive lineman of the week, 81%. That was great to see. Kamal Haddon. A lot of Kamal Haddon haters out there, 80%. Good to see. Keenan Peely, 80%. Aaron Beasley, 79%. I'll do some more starters. Tamir McDonald, 73%. Jalen McCullough, 72%. Roman Harrison, 70%. Wesley Walker, 69%. Danico Slaughter, 66%. Amari Thomas, 61%. Dominic Bailey, 59%. He only played 15 snaps, though, but he did start. And Karak Garland at 47%. He played 18 snaps. But here's what I want to know more than anything. I want to go to coverage on defense, okay? And I want to see these coverage grades. I want to see uh, targets and all that. Kamal Haddon graded out highest in coverage at 80%. He was targeted six times, gave up one reception for negative one yards, according to Pro Football Focus. So that's good to see. Brandon Turnage graded out at 70%. According to Pro Football Focus, he wasn't targeted at all. Um, Jalen McCullough, 69%. He was targeted once, gave up one reception for 19 yards. Danico Slaughter was not targeted at all, according to Pro Football Focus. Tamari McDonald, 65% in coverage. Targeted twice, gave up two receptions, only six yards. You'll take that every single day of the week. Uh, look at Warren Burrell, was targeted once, gave up no receptions. Andre Turrentine, targeted once, gave up no receptions. Wesley Walker, targeted once, gave up one reception for 15 yards. Not the end of the world. Um, and that's a uh, Gabe Judy Lolly. Here we go. Gabe Judy Lolly pl- probably gave up the worst in coverage. And again, I checked these Saturday nights and, and, and they go back and they change a little bit. Um, Gabe Judy Lolly was targeted one time in the game, according to Pro Football Focus on Saturday night. They've gone back and, and, and rectified that. Targeted twice, gave up two receptions for 47 yards. So not the best day overall for Gabe Judy Lolly. So anyway, that was a lot thrown at you. Um, I understand that, but a lot of you guys are like me and you're football nerds and you want to hear these grades and see these grades. I'll do them every single week. I'll break them up into offense and defense so we can go a little bit slower. Uh, But that was week number one. Again, at the end of the day, Tennessee did what Tennessee was supposed to do. It went out there and whipped Virginia's tail and did it in impressive fashion. Uh, When we come back, though, updated polls. The win for Tennessee 
Did it reflect in the polls? Well, it did in two polls, that's for sure. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Vols. Hey, I want to tell you about our friends, um, a proud sponsor of the show, and that is eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, I encourage you to head on over to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to know that the part will fit or your money will be given back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Sports. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home that dub when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, all the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The college football season is here. And Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every single Friday. Locked On is going to go live from 11 to 1 Eastern time every Friday on every Locked On YouTube channel. College Football Live will cover playoff implications. The conference rivalry games go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insights and analysis from a stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every single day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every single Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. It's on any of the Locked On College YouTube channels. I promise you, you are not going to want to miss that. Um, we're going to get into our Locked On uh, Network uh, Top 25 here in a moment, but I'm going to set it up here. We're going to start by looking at where the balls have been updated in the Big Two, the uh, uh, the coaches poll, and of course the AP poll. Um, so you look at the AP poll, and Tennessee moved up three spots to number nine. It was at number 12 entering the season. A 49-13 win propelled Tennessee up to uh, number three. And of course, you needed some teams to lose. LSU lost, Clemson lost, and and so that provided some, some movement there in the top 10. But Tennessee is at number nine following week one in the AP poll following a 49-13 win over Virginia. That AP top 10 looks like this. Georgia's at one. Michigan's at two. Alabama moves up a spot to three. Florida State, the big win over LSU, moves up four spots to number four. You have Ohio State to slip down two spots despite a win at number five. USC and Penn State st uh, hold steady at six and seven. Washington moved up two spots to number eight. Tennessee again, three spots to number nine. And Notre Dame moved up three spots to number 10 as well. Uh, Texas stayed idle at 11. Utah moved up two spots to 12. Oregon moved up two spots to 13. LSU went from five down to number 14, falling nine spots in the poll after getting run out of the gym there from FSU in the second half. The Tigers are in there at 14. Kansas State is at 15. The rest of the top 25, Oregon State, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, uh, Ole Miss, Duke, Colorado. Duke and Colorado back-to-back -back at 21 and 22. Big-time wins. A&M from Texas, 23, and Tulane. And Clemson round out the top 25. Clemson falling 16 spots after that Duke loss on Monday night. So Tennessee, number nine in the Associated Press poll. What about the USA Today coaches poll? Again, Tennessee entered the season ranked at number 10 in that poll. Tennessee moves up one spot to number nine. Again, a lot of the same teams here, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, your top three. Ohio State stays at number four. Florida State moved up three spots to five. USC at six, Penn State at seven, Washington at eight. Tennessee at 9, Texas at 10. Again, there's a lot of the same teams from one poll to the next. But Tennessee moved up one spot to number 9. 
Um, LSU falls nine spots to number 14. Clemson falls 12 spots to number 21. Duke gets in, as well as Colorado. They jump inside the coaches' poll at the top 25. Duke at 24, and Colorado at 25. So those are the highlights there uh, from the coaches' poll and the AP. But the, the biggest thing you need to know, Tennessee is at number nine in the coaches' poll. Tennessee is at number nine in the Associated Press poll um, as well. So Tennessee moved up one spot in the coaches and three spots in the AP, and it is a consensus top 10 team in the land, according to the two big ones. Now, uh, the Locked On College uh, top 25 poll, we're trying to make it just as big, all right? You know, the host, myself included, we got 60 to 70 of us, and we vote on this every single week. Um, but Tennessee is not a top 10 team, according to the Locked On poll, and and that's that's a little aggravating here. So, uh, again, uh, a lot of my colleagues, you know, we all cover a team, um, you know, and, and, and so there, there can be some bias here. But you looked at the Locked On Top 25 Week 2 college football po- poll, and if you're watching on YouTube, you can see it right now. It's voted on by Locked On College host. Georgia's at 1, Michigan's at 2, Alabama is at 3. Again, those are the top three teams for both the AP and the coaches poll. Florida State jumps up to number four uh, in this locked on poll, and I believe that's where Florida State was in the AP, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, in the AP, they were four. Ohio State's at five. Penn State is at six. USC's at seven. Washington, Notre Dame, Texas, and Utah come in at eight, nine, 10, and 11. All right, USC, eh, they won. They've won two games. They have no defense, but. It's the Caleb Williams show. All right, whatever. You know, Washington a winner. Notre Dame, you know, played in week zero. And then, of course, won again last week. Sam Hartman's looking really good. All right. Uh, Texas had a warm-up game prior to Alabama. Utah had a big win over Florida. I get all that. But the coaches poll, as well as the AP poll, have Tennessee at number nine. Yet there's no movement for the volunteers in the locked-on poll. Tennessee stays put at number 12. Interesting. Very interesting, to say the least. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of leave it at that. Tennessee's at number 12. Oregon is at 13. LSU, still pretty highly ranked, drops down nine spots to number 14. I believe that's where LSU was in the AP poll. Yep, LSU was at 14 in the AP poll, and LSU was at 14 as well in the coaches poll. So right on par there. Uh, North Carolina is at 15. This is the locked-on top 25. Uh, Kansas State's at 16, Oregon State's at 17, Oklahoma's at 18, Wisconsin's at 19. Of course, Colorado jumps in there at number 20, Ole Miss at 21, A&M at 22, Duke jumps in at 23, Tulane is at 24, and Kentucky jumps in at number 25. So, again, there's not a whole lot of movement between these three polls. Uh, A lot uh, we can all agree on as well. But the big caveat here. As we're on Locked On Vols, your team every single day. The Locked On poll, sliding the Vols a little bit. Tennessee at number 12 in the Locked On poll, despite the two big ones. The coaches poll and the AP poll having Tennessee at number 9. So, um, hey, it's a win over Virginia. Virginia is not very good. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. You're not going to learn anything about Tennessee this week with Austin P. The true test will be on the road in the swamp in two weeks at Florida. If Tennessee wins that game on the road, a place that hasn't won since 03, 
Um, the volunteers for sure will be, um, you know, gaining the respect of every poll around the country as being a top 10 team, a consensus top 10 team. So um, I have fun. I have fun voting on this poll. It's um, I've never been a, a, a voter in any type of poll before in terms of college football rankings, uh, but I enjoyed it. Um, I had uh, Tennessee in the top 10. I think I put Tennessee at number nine or number 10. Maybe it was number 10. I can't remember, but I dropped LSU. I had, I had Tennessee at 10. I had LSU at 9. Um, again, I know a lot of people are low on LSU right now. I still think LSU is a good football team. I just think FSU is a better football team and really put it on them uh, in the uh, in the second half. Now, people can say that LSU doesn't deserve to be in the top 10 because of that loss, and, and that's fair. I had LSU at 9. I had Tennessee at 10. I dropped... Um, I dropped Clemson all the way down to, I think, 23. Clemson didn't even make the locked-on poll. I put um, Clemson down at, like, number 23. And um, I'm going to start saving my poll so I can show you guys my poll as well. But anyway, good stuff there. Really enjoyed doing it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, Tennessee getting a lot of respect. 1-0 and, of course, heading out through the season. Not a whole lot of Austin P talk this week, but I'll tell you all about the Governors as the week goes on. Tennessee at 5 o'clock Eastern time. Game will be streamed on the SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus. It's the home opener at Neyland Stadium. We're covering Tennessee like nobody else right here on Locked On Balls. We'll have a little award Wednesday. Josh Ward conversation when we return. It's Wednesday. We get to catch up with Josh Ward for Ward Wednesday here on Locked On Balls. Josh, 1-0, 49-13. Pretty impressive win. It was. Tennessee did not play the highest level of opponents on Saturday, but Tennessee made that opponent look like it was the far... Uh, inferior team, uh, obviously inferior team. So there are things that Tennessee can work on coming out of an opener. That is always going to be the case. That's what coaches want. But when you can find things offensively that you need to work on while still putting up 49 points, it's a pretty good start to the season. Overall, uh, conversation is always going to start with the quarterback, Joe Milton. I uh, had some throws that were not too great in the first half. Uh, I don't think his receivers helped him out uh, an awful lot. Uh, Ramel Keaton with a huge drop. I don't think Dante Thornton ran the right route there at the end zone. Overall, he was solid. SEC you know, player of the week, four total touchdowns, threw for over 200 yards, 70% completion. Uh, what would you think about Joe Milton and his performance in week one? I thought he had a, g- a good game. Not a perfect game. Uh, that wasn't the expectation going in. Again, there are things that we could see within the game, some throws that were off that would be obvious or some reads that maybe he missed, but there were also progressions we saw him go through. And it's the latest example of the progress he's made as a quarterback. And then his leadership ability, I think showed up in the middle of the first half when they weren't uh, totally in sync. When Ramel Keaton drops a pass that affects Joe's stats. It didn't ultimately affect Tennessee as an offense, but, Joe was going to keep throwing the football to Ramel Keaton, and he knows he's going to make catches. He's already made tough catches. If Ramel were stepping into a bigger role for the first time, then maybe we'd wonder, okay, is this a problem? But we've already seen him make big catches in big yeah. games. So who's questioning Ramel's ability? So that would be another example of wasn't perfect. Mistakes are going to be made, but that's what coaches want to see. So I'm sure that they looked at some stuff on tape with Joe and said, okay, you could have gone here, could have done this. But that would apply to his teammates as well. And you're right. The quarterback's going to be talked about more than anybody else when there are other things that sometimes we see, sometimes we don't, that affect the way the quarterback looks. Tennessee behind a little bit of a makeshift offensive line. I say that when really 
there's only one position that is a huge question mark, that being left guard. I, I had faith the tackles are going to be okay, and I think the tackles are going to be fine as the season goes along. But you had two centers that played well. You had rotation at tackles. Eight guys played over 20 snaps on the offensive line. What did you think about that group? And then obviously when you when you blocked for almost 300 yards on the ground, that's a pretty good day. Yeah, they had a good day overall. They were not going up against a high-level SEC team. I'm kind of repeating myself when I bring up the opponent. It has to be considered. But again, Tennessee did exactly what it was supposed to over the four quarters. And they continue to wait to get Cooper Mays back. When that happens, when that happens, that will certainly help. But they have a number of guys that they can count on. This offensive line is going to be fine. I'm confident in that, assuming good enough health if they start to deal with more injuries then that can change the conversation but that's unpredictable with Glenn Ellerby and with this offensive system they'll be okay now they we didn't expect them to have Darnell Wright at right tackle and that's going to continue to be the case the rest of the way but you know John Campbell running a defender through the end zone into the back uh, that got a lot of people fired up and uh, I think the attitude the mindset is going to be where this staff wants it to be uh, and short yardage situations against big time SEC line play. Let's see what they do. But they started out the way that I think Tennessee hoped. Look at the defense. That's the biggest story of the day, in my opinion. Of course, again, the conversation is going to start with the quarterback, but defense did exactly what it was supposed to do. The level of competition, I hear you. Um, but good to see James Pierce out there. Good to see the defensive line just clean up. Tyler Barron cleaned up with a couple of sacks. Thought the linebackers were running all over the place. Uh, didn't rotate as much as I wanted to at safety, but a good rotation at star in the cornerback spot. What did you like about that defense in, in week one? Yeah, they can make some plays, and James Pierce is a guy that I think deserves a ton of credit and will get a lot of talk because we know about his talent, and we've discussed his potential as a highly touted guy. On three was the service that had him as a five-star prospect, right? And uh, we didn't see much of him as a freshman. We saw more of Joshua Josephs. And Joseph still, to me, looks the part and can be a, a key contributor this season. Pierce making those plays, though, is very exciting because if he's able to get some one-on-one -on -one matchups against opposing offensive tackles, he's going to win his fair share, I think, if he really is making the progress that we heard about and he showed this past Saturday. Tyler Barron showing up and they can move him inside he's a guy that can be used in different ways they we knew about the depth we knew about the amount of guys that they said they were going to play they played them they look good you're right about the opponent again but you can just watch them and tell how some of these guys move uh nobody's questioning james pierce's physical talent so keenan peely coming in arian carter elijah herring playing at linebacker they have some real talent to work with on the defensive side. And I agree with you, Swain and I on our Monday show, we led talking about the offense and, and Joe Milton, partly because that's what people wanted to hear about. But I think the way the defense played is the thing to be most excited about coming out of the game, because I never questioned if the offense is going to be fine. And I don't question that after the first game at all. Yeah. James Pierce just uh, kind of had a little, little rip move, went inside, utilized speed. The second one wouldn't even touch, just went outside, utilized that speed. So again, that was good to see. Um, you know, we mentioned quality of the opponent and all that type of stuff, but it was still a power five program. Now this week, I can't even find a line right now, or you know, <laughs> earlier in the week, couldn't find a line. Tennessee should win by 50 literally. And that's not hyperbole. Tennessee should win by 50. How can Tennessee get better this week? Knowing you're playing an inferior opponent, but knowing 
you still need to clean some things up before you head to the swamp. Yeah, part of it to me is probably stuff that we won't really see afterward, making sure assignments are right, uh, everything that you want to do technically, uh, no no mistakes. If uh, you do have a receiver in game one that's running the wrong route or there's miscommunication between quarterback and receiver, that you don't experience that in week two. Getting out of there healthy is an obvious one. Fans can remember the Akron injury for Cedric Tillman a year ago. You don't want to see anybody go down getting ready for a big game the following week against Florida. But, yeah, I would just say repetition, more opportunity for some of the young guys we've talked about in different positions, more opportunity for Joe Milton and his receivers to get some work, just like we would talk about in a scrimmage in August. This is that. You get them some time out there together, and then you get them the heck off the field so that they can get ready for games where they actually will be challenged. All right, one week officially in the books, you had – South Carolina, they could not block for Spencer Rattler at all. I think he gave up eight sacks. Uh, that game ran away from it. LSU got run away from by FSU in the fourth quarter. Uh, you had Georgia and Alabama winning easily. Uh, both quarterbacks, you know, playing pretty well in that one. Uh, big big time takeaways, and of course Florida, big time takeaways from the conference as a whole through one week. Yeah, I'll give you a couple. You mentioned the South Carolina issues up front. If that carries over with what we were just talking about with Tennessee's defense, that would be a huge advantage for the Vols in trying to pressure Spencer Rattler when you already have home field behind you, and that can create some communication issues for South Carolina up front. Gamecocks are in trouble. It's one game. We have to be careful about overreaction, but when you look at their schedule and how that lines up, problematic for South Carolina. Advantage, I think, in the head-to-head for Tennessee. The other would be Texas A&M. We get a better idea this week when the Aggies go to Miami to take on the Hurricanes because Texas A&M played a cupcake in week one. But the offense did look good, and those receivers, talent-wise, are for real. So if A&M goes and plays well at Miami, we know that that game uh, between Tennessee and and Texas A&M should be a good one with a lot of talent, including on the offensive side. Because A&M, they were fine defensively last year. They were just abysmal offensively. If that offense is fixed with Connor Wegman at quarterback and the talent that's around him, they're going to be a tough out for everybody. I mean, I'm looking at South Carolina's schedule, and I knew it was rough to begin the season, but you know, pulling it up right here, of course you start off with a loss in North Carolina. You'll have Furman. You'll get a win there. On the road in Athens, home against Mississippi State, and then ending the month of September at Tennessee. I mean, there's – Yep. Tennessee they go to has A&M, an opportunity play here. Clemson at a conference. Florida won't be, you know, if they if they have these issues, Kentucky, Florida, those won't be easy games. Uh, Mississippi State, they have a bunch of old guys up front. So if they don't fix that offensive line, I mean, they're just going to have a tough time all the way. That's why we have to be careful about overreaction. But Shane Beamer was stressed for a reason. I was going to say, again, uh, reiterate what you already said twice. Be careful about overreaction, but potentially Tennessee has a chance to put two of its opponents really on the ropes in the month of September, Florida on the SEC Network Plus and ESPN Plus. What do you and Swain have coming up on the Sports Animal noon to three every day this week? And what do you have to look forward to in the newsletter, the Josh and Swain newsletter on Friday morning? Yeah, go subscribe there. It's free. Uh, Joshandswain.com. and appreciate you helping promote that. It's free once a week each Friday. A lot of football talk. Uh, here's one segment to plug. Uh, you can go back and listen to this. It's on uh, Tuesdays. It's going to be each Tuesday during the football season. Cover Tuesday, we're going to have Jonathan Wade, VFL, former Tennessee defensive back who played in the NFL for half a decade. So each Tuesday, Cover Tuesday with Swain's former teammate. How about that? A receiver and defensive back getting along to do some radio together. It's going to say there'll be some smack talk, right? 
Yeah, there will be a lot of that. And Swain loves to remind Wade he started out as a receiver at Tennessee before moving over to the defensive backfield. <laughs> but we'll get some uh, defensive back and just overall thoughts from a guy who played at the highest level. It'll be a lot of fun each week during the season. Yeah, I think the move to, to, to the defensive backfield worked out okay for him. It paid off, literally, for Wade. Literally. So, uh, and, and he'll tell you, going up against Swain and Meacham every day in practice helped him as well get ready for the league. And that's what it's about. So Tennessee's trying to get back to that. No joke. The the receivers in this offense uh, and more teams are going to be going fast and trying to do different things like that. Tennessee's defense should benefit over the next couple of years facing Heupel's offense every single week. You can listen to Josh and Swain on 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to three weekdays on the radio dial. And you can subscribe to the Josh and Swain newsletter uh, in the description of this episode right now. Josh, appreciate it, man, as always. Have a good day. Thanks, Eric. Great stuff, as always, from Josh Ward. You can hear Josh Ward every single day, noon to 3, on the Sports Animal and every single week right here on Wednesdays on Lockdown Balls. Guys, appreciate it. It's been a fun show. It was a jam-packed show, a lot of information there. I'll split up the pro football focus rankings moving forward. Uh, one segment offense, one segment defense. But I wanted to talk about the polls. And, of course, we had to talk to Josh. So a jam-packed show here on a Wednesday. But I appreciate you guys. We'll have Boogie Bentley coming up tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to having him on the show for a couple of segments. What did he see uh, from Tennessee's win over Virginia in the opener? And a whole lot more. Uh, stay safe. And uh, let's do it again tomorrow. This is Lockdown Balls.